0: we must
1: take America yeah. back. Welcome we to Patriots and Freedom Fighters. I'm broadcasting from my home studio in downtown Belmont, Pennsylvania, worldwide as the National Intel Report on Republic Broadcasting Network, Liberty Lighthouse on Mojo Five O Radio, Patriot Nation Radio Network, and any place else you find or see the show. Also, live streaming to a brand new video platform tonight for the first time. That's KICK.com, K-I-C-K.com, another place to find this wonderful programming. Sit back, relax, we got two hours of common sense and constitutional discussion. I am your host, Peter Seraphine. and tonight I'm going to start this first segment, this first half hour, I want to talk a little bit about this debt ceiling nonsense, mumbo-jumbo, you know, yeah, that stuff, and then move on. In the uh, second segment, the bottom of this first hour, we got Scott Thompson from Right to Bear Insurance going to join the show. We're going to talk about some two way Second Amendment gun rights stuff going on. And then uh, the top of the second hour, I've got about a 20 minute video of a doctor who was presenting at a committee for the third annual COVID committee. For the EU Parliament in Brussels, Dr. David Martin, on May 3rd, 2023, so about a month ago. It's about a 20-minute speech, video, whatever. And it's something that I think everybody should hear. So I'm going to play the whole 20-minute thing in its entirety. And then uh, for that last half hour, I'm hoping that you've got a whole lot of comments, questions, comments, and concerns to be calling in. And talking about that. Now, this is a live call in radio show. So if uh, you're not familiar, get a pen and paper ready, write down this number, 512 248 8252. If you prefer the toll free version, it's 800 313 9443. That's how you call in, get on air. We also, you can join the program by commenting on the video streams on facebook youtube and twitch you comment there shows up on my little computer screen and i see it here so that's another way to do it rumble is a great place to watch the video but unfortunately i don't see your comments and i can't be switching back and forth from screen to screen all the time so yeah if you want to comment go to twitch or kick or facebook and you can comment and i'll see them, and i can read them. like uh jared james law who says he loves rbn and sarah nichols who has shared out the show on her social media accounts and i greatly appreciate that sarah everybody if you could do that that that's one of the biggest things you can do to help those of us on the right side of the political aisle where these these uh you know algorithms don't help us be found we don't show up in searches if you if you like google search republic broadcasting you it It's probably like the third page of results before you actually get to RBN's website. I don't know that for sure, but I'm just saying. That's kind of how it works. So the way we get around those algorithms is with your help. When you share out a link to your friends, your family, your social media accounts, and you let them know where we are. See? Don't need Google's help if we all share to our friends. And Mr. Jerry James Law says he is listening from Scotland that is awesome. Love seeing people watching and listening from around the world. Scotland. That's awesome. So like I said, live call-in show, 512-248-8252. Let's start out with this, uh well, this debt ceiling nonsense that's been going on lately. You know, one one of the old-fashioned rule-of-thumb kind of things, one of those, you know, farmers wisdom type phrases out there if you find yourself in a hole well the first thing you got to do is stop digging and as of yesterday when i looked our national debt was 31.83 trillion dollars i'm going to in us debt clock.org right now and and pull it up and see if it has changed too terribly much. And uh, no, it's about the same. Thirty-one point eight three so far. And I'm clicking the wrong button. All right, so thirty-one point eight three trillion dollars as of yesterday, as of today. But you know, the first twenty. It was, it was just twenty. That's that is a a raise a, an increase of twenty six trillion dollars in twenty three years. You get that? So from seventeen seventy six to the year two thousand two hundred and twenty four years, our national debt at the end of that two hundred and twenty four years was five point seven. Trillion trillion, five point seven trillion, and here it is 23 years later, and it's $31.83 trillion, $26 trillion increased in 23 years. That's insane. And if we keep spending at this current rate, again, using usdebtclock.org as my source, if we keep spending at this current rate in four years, in 2027, our national debt will be forty-two point seven trillion dollars. Forty-two point seven. Oh my God! This is a hole that we, well, we can't dig out of. If we're going to keep spending, but what what happens when this, you know, the, the debt ceiling debate comes up and comes around and. You know, the two teams or two halves of the same team or whatever, the the blue guys and the red guys, the D's and the R's, they sit down together and they hack out a deal. And they finagle and negotiate like they do for everything in Washington, D.C. And they keep raising the limit. That is insane. So think about this in your own house, right? So we're spending about 25% more money, We being our federal government, the federal government of the United States of America is spending about 25% more money than they are bringing in in the forms of revenue and taxes every year. 25% more every year. These these tiny itty bitty spending cuts that don't really mean anything at thirty one point eight trillion dollars debt. If you want to get anywhere with our financial situation, you want to get anywhere with our debt. We've got to cut twenty five percent just to even consider breaking even. What we we cut you know 2% here and there. We're sending money around the world to help other countries. What's the the one the commercial I hear all the time for one of the big name radio jocks it says, you know, why are we spending, you know, billions of dollars to South Africa so that South Africa can dismantle and 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 close down their coal plants. Their coal-fired electric plants. Why are American taxpayers paying for that? And that's a valid question. And for that matter, if we are thirty-one point eight trillion dollars in debt, why are we giving money to any nonprofit organizations, governmental, non-governmental, I don't care. Why are any of them getting a penny in tax money if we're that far in debt? There's you know it's all politics and money and power, that's all it is, has nothing to do with you or I. They don't care about us anymore. They don't care that it's our money that they're spending. Well, let's talk about this this current debt ceiling thing that they did. I don't think anybody out there really expected there to be a no, no debt ceiling increase. Would have been awesome, but that's not going to happen. But what they did do scares the bejesus out of me. McCarthy and Biden's puppets sat in a room and basically erased the debt ceiling, for two years. They didn't raise it. They didn't say, oh, no, you can go up to $44 trillion. They erased it. There is no limit. For the next two years, there is absolutely no limit on how much money our federal government can spend. That should scare the crap out of every man, woman, and child in this country. You know, the the COVID thing came around and we forgot all about a whole bunch of laws and we just started spending like crazy. So our leaders in Washington, D.C. figured out Spend. The limit and now they're going to find an excuse to keep spending what do you think give me a call tell me what you think at 512-248-8252-800-313-9443 i mean i'm not nostradamus or anything but that's my prediction They're going to, you know, there's no limit. So what? what's to stop them? Yeah. I think the whole debt ceiling thing is, is ridiculous. I think that should be up to we the people. I mean, clearly, we don't trust our folks in Washington, D.C. anymore. Every time there's a poll about whether or not there should be a balanced budget amendment, every time somebody does a poll like that, it comes back that 80 or more percent of voters say that the uh, we should have a, a balanced budget amendment. So what do you think the voters would do if, if we were given this uh, debt limit stuff? I don't know. I think that the American people would say, uh, no, you, you can't increase the debt. I did a show once, probably two years ago now, where I took the national debt and basically dropped, I don't know, a dozen zeros off of the number to make it something more household-like. And then I went through how much we spend on different things and did the same thing. I dropped off X number of zeros. And the amount of money that we give to arts and humanities while we're $32 trillion in debt. It's ridiculous. That is almost, I mean, this equivalent here is that, you know, you owe so much money. You owe enough money, you know, 12 times how much you make every year is is your debt. But yet, you keep buying Picassos to hang up in your shack, That, that's the level of stupidity that our federal government has when it comes to spending money. Let's uh, take a quick short little sponsor break here. I'm proud to be partnering with Cedar Mill Fine Firearms. Cedar Mill Fine Firearms does some of the coolest firearms cases you'll find anywhere. Have you ever wanted to carry your AR-15 discreetly? How about a rifle case that looks like a guitar case until you open it up? Go to cedarmillfirearms.com and use the code LIGHTHOUSE the next time you're looking for a cleaning kit or a case to carry your firearms. That's cedarmillfirearms.com and use the code LIGHTHOUSE. And if you're looking for a Father's Day gift for me, I still have not bought but still want one of those uh, rifle cases that looks like a guitar case—that's just cool. Not that I had really ever have a reason to carry a, uh, you know, carry my AR around town or anything like that. But if if I wanted to, that would be a cool way to do it. Uh, let's see here. We got a comment in the chat room that says, "When there's no check on the Zionist banker Fed, the will to continue to rape, pillage, subvert." Until you, until our husk of a country is completely bled out. Now it's beyond money. It's our military being raped. It is a lot. They're, they're ruining everything in our country right now. But let's talk about that money stuff, right? We, How do we get that control back from our federal government, back from the House of Representatives and the Senate? How do we get our control back from these guys when we are so far in debt? And they keep doing this stuff. I'm looking for suggestions from you. You, the listeners out there, you're smarter than I am. I promise you, you're smarter than I am. So give me a call. Tell me what you think. 512-248-8252. And Mr. Scott Thompson... My guest for the evening, he's arrived early. Scott, did you want to come on the show early? Is that why you're here? Let's see here. What do you think, Scott? Hey,
2: I'm ready for you. Whenever you're ready for me, I'm ready for you.
1: All right, well, we're going to have to go to a commercial break here real quick. But first, got to do this. Our resident expert on all things Second Amendment... <laughs> FFL license holder, firearms instructor, and representative from Right to Bear Insurance, Scott Thompson. Mr. Scott Thompson, welcome to the show. Hey,
2: I'm glad to be here. I like the new intro thing you got for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I figured you're back often enough. I should probably make some kind of an intro for you. I like it. Um, you have any com- Before we move on to the two-way stuff, do you have any comment about what I was talking about? About well, our, our, you know, how how dare they raise a debt ceiling and not just raise it but basically erase it for 2 years.
2: Yeah, but I was a little little bit hurt that you took my wife's side on continuing to buy Picassos when we're you know having <laughs> other problems. You know, the, the my shed needs Picassos too. <laughs> uh yeah, I think it's a dangerous precedent because one thing I've known about the government is once they get something they don't like to give it up. And so when you say, hey, you know what, we don't have a debt ceiling for two years, now that's been broached. So now in two years, what stops them from going, hey, you know what, let's make the next one no debt ceiling for five years um, and and, and change the game. You know, just like every time you hear that there's a half-cent tax that's going to fund something. um, And just once once we fund the new stadium or once we fund the bridge or whatever, that tax is going away. And then the, the bridge gets paid for time and time again, and that tax is still there. Once the yep. government takes something, they don't like to give it up, mm-hmm. especially money.
1: And, and, and in fact, they, they usually end up finding ways to add to it. You know, income tax started at, you know, the, the high end, the rich people paid one percent, and and Woodrow Wilson promised it would never go above one percent. Yeah, I don't and, know what and, your tax rate is, but mine's definitely way above one percent.
2: Yeah, yeah, my my accountant uh, just gave me the news not too long ago, and it's much more than one percent um and look what they were able to do in the in the early days with 1%. Everyone was taken care of, everything was taken care of. It's government bloat.
1: Yep. It's we don't have a revenue problem. No. You know, 4 trillion dollars a year that our federal government brings in is plenty. We have yep. a spending problem. A government bloat, government overreach, government control of everything in your life problem.
2: Yeah, and especially when they spend money that that there's no um, measurable return on that investment, you right. don't know what that that money has gotten you. Um,
1: you know, they never, they, they never report on it. They don't track it. They don't tell us where it goes. Right. They say, "Oh, well, we're going to give five trillion dollars for COVID relief," but then. How much of it was spent? How much of it was pocketed by politicians at multiple levels? How much We, right. we don't know any, any of that.
2: Yeah, and I don't know if you saw this recent story, uh, and this might be just a Florida thing, um, maybe not, but people recently were receiving um, COVID test kits in the mail that mm-hmm. they didn't ask for, mm-hmm. that they didn't request, and come to find out there are doctor's offices out there that have somehow gotten a hold of your insurance information and they've sent, you know, sub- submitted for you to get your tests sent to your house and then they get money for referring and you never did it. And now this is a charge against your insurance and there's a whole big scheme with it. Um, somebody's making a lot of money off of that. Oh, yeah. And, and 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 they won't prosecute. That's that's the sad thing is when they find the the waste. And I'll give example. In um, shortly after Hurricane Charlie in Florida, they set up a uh, a station where you could come in and if you suffered damages, you filled out a form that said what your damages were and they were giving you gift cards on the spot. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And the gift cards were $500. And so all you had to do was say, I live at this address and I suffered this damage and they would give you a gift card, $500. They found out years later, And why it took this long, I don't know that a lot of the people, not all, some people legitimately were in need. But a lot of the people that filled out those forms, they filled out a form to an address that didn't never had a home on it. It was a vacant lot that they didn't own. Mm -hmm. So there was fraud. So you know who the person is because you took their license, you know, and, and the decision was made well, we're not going to prosecute them because it would be too many people to go after. It would cost more money to go after them than we would ever recover from them. So we'll just let it go. Well, guess what's going to happen every time you have a a national disaster?
1: You've been incentivized bad behavior. A
2: hundred percent. Boy, oh boy, they love to do that
1: these days. What's funny is, you know, I'm a mailman in my full-time regular job. And and that actually happened. I remember delivering some, uh, you know, small package to, to a customer, and they're like, "I didn't order anything. What's this?" And they rip it open, and it's COVID kits. I didn't order this crap. Where did this come from? Yep. And so, yeah. Well, you just explained it. That's great.
2: Yep. And and his doctor and I, I don't know the numbers. I'm, I, I'll always be honest. I don't know the numbers, but I've heard it's it's hundreds of dollars, um, for every time a doctor could say that they. Um, because what they're doing too Is they're saying Well we suspected they had COVID Because we had an in-office visit So they get paid for that They get paid to send out the, the test kits And it, it's it's probably several hundred dollars Per person that they've sent that to Do the math You send it to 100 patients in your list And at 200 bucks a pop You just made $2,000 Right?
1: Um, it's crazy Hey, Well if you're really interested In this COVID stuff You're going to have to stick around After your segment I listened to Doctor David Martin at the EU Parliament last month. It was fucking awesome. Three minute commercial break. Be right back on the other side with Scott Thompson right there. Prize nominated for his. COVID-19 treatment protocols. The late Dr. Zelenko created Z-Stack to help boost your immune system. And when you order Z-Stack, you're not only boosting your immune system, you're also supporting Freedom Fighters Foundation. So boost your immune system by going to ZStackLife.com and use the code LIGHTHOUSE. Be healthier. Support the Freedom Fighters Foundation. Use the code LIGHTHOUSE at zstacklife.com. Welcome back to the show. Sorry about that little technical difficulty. That was a little longer than three minutes. My bad. My, me and my computer connection issues. I don't know what's going on. I, I freaking give up. But anyway, ah, free speech is not free. I am your host, Peter Seraphine, this evening. The other fellow with me tonight is Scott Thompson from Right to Bear Insurance. But I want to remind you that free speech is not free. Please support this free speech network, whatever network you're listening on. I greatly appreciate it. So, Scott, you sent me an article that you thought would be a good thing to talk about tonight, and I had written down something that was in my own state here in Pennsylvania that I wanted to talk about. And, well, we can uh, since I'm the host, I was going to say, since I'm the host, we're going to start with what I want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so, I, I, I don't know what's going on. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> so here in my home state of pennsylvania we had a whole bunch of uh, gun control uh measures put forward and the ones that seem to be doing pretty well actually through our our uh, legislature are universal background checks red 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 flag laws and mandatory reporting of lost and stolen guns thank thankfully the state State uh, safe storage laws did not get a vote. Uh, this they were deemed controversial enough that nobody thought they could possibly pass, so they they didn't get a vote. Now, for those out there in the real world that don't know, the so-called universal background check um, that just means that, uh, like here in my state of Pennsylvania, we don't have to do a, uh, a FBI background check on a long gun sale between private parties and they just want to put an end they they want to make it so that we have to you know go to a gun store and do a background check for a long gun between two friends and of course red red flag laws are just bad i've never seen a red flag law in any state that actually doesn't violate like three of our constitutional rights yeah and, but then mandatory reporting of lost and stolen guns. I don't really have anything against that one. Do you? I don't. But
2: um, as long as we can identify when you have to report it. Because I have seen some, some places where people are pushing that the gun has to be reported, stolen, or lost within three days of it being stolen or lost. And I can't get behind that because it has to be a day when you notice that it was stolen or lost. Because mm-hmm. if, if let, let's say you, I have a hunting cabin up in, in North Florida and I have some guns in a safe there. If I only go there for, for a couple weekends out of the year, if I don't know, do I have to go up every day and now check on the guns to make sure that I'm falling within three days? Um, so it, it would have to be based on when you noticed that it was lost or stolen, and 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 if it's based on that, I have no problem. Um, but but when they try to sneak in within you know within X amount of time of the theft or the the loss, uh, I can't get behind that because it, it's not like your car. You know your car is missing if you use it every day. Some of your guns, you don't know if they're missing until you go and do an inventory of them. Um, and and I'm not saying we're haphazardly leaving guns around, but, you know, if if something, somehow, someone got in my safe and took one of my guns, I might not notice that for, for a while. So, uh,
1: yeah. but, but if yeah, it's... I, can, I mean, I, I don't... Like I get into my little handgun safe, my bedside handgun safe every day, but I don't get into my big, tall, long gun cabinet. Right but, you know, a few times a year, really. Right. I mean, somebody could clean that out, and I wouldn't even notice for potentially months. Right.
2: And I'd hate you to be in a situation where you say then, well, I uh, I guess it could have happened between February and, and today. And they go, well, it wasn't reported within <laughs> three days, so you're now going to be charged <laughs> with a crime.
1: Right. And then, you know, you say, no, 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 it just happened yesterday. <laughs> right. And um, now you've. You- and then they're oh, like, "Oh, really? Well, it was used. To, it was used to rob a rob a <laughs> bank three weeks ago. So, right? Yeah. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna charge it for bank robbery.
2: Right? Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> no, but you're right. On well, well, the that story works. that you said, yeah, it's it could be reasonable, I mean, it, right. but it's like red flag laws. Like I understand what they're trying to do. You don't want crazy people to have guns. I get that. Nobody wants crazy people to have guns." But we do have a right to protect our property, and you can't take it from us without going through due process. Yes. And due process isn't really due process if I'm not involved. If you, you know, your little law enforcement agency and some judge get together and they're like, Yeah, 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 this guy's nuts. Let's take his guns. And you don't talk to me, that's not really due process. I 100% agree. Maybe... If somebody out there would write a red flag law where they, you know, come pick you up and it's like, all right, we're going to have this emergency hearing, go find them. And they pick you up and drag you into court and you're actually involved in the process. Maybe, depending on wording and language and how they, you know, plan to do it, I might be able to get behind that. But none of them are that way. All of the ones that exist today and all the ones that are being proposed today are here's an accusation and here's a judge that's going to make the decision. And I will say you're not there. You're not, a, you're not there. Your attorney's not there. They don't even have a, um, oh, what do they call that? Like, like a guardian ad litem kind of right. attorney who's just representing gun owners at large through right. this process.
2: Right. Which is, a. I mean, honestly, that's a pretty good idea. To have a system where there is, if you're going to have that emergency hearing, that there be an attorney that fights for that right of this person, you know, where the, you know, show us the police reports where there's been problems, show us medical reports, show us all these things um, to, to fight for you. Um, it's kind of funny, when I went through an annulment um, years ago through the, through the church, there was a person assigned to fight for that the marriage was valid in the church. Um, and, and, and clearly, I mean, we'd already civilly divorced, so there was no, you know, but there was someone assigned to fight for the marriage and you're right. There should be someone assigned to fight for the rights of the person, um, that this emergency hearing is, is against. That's a great point.
1: Yeah. That would at least be a, a step in the right direction if you actually want to protect the rights of, of we, the people. Yep. Uh, let's see here. Uh, live call-in show. Call in with your questions, comments, and concerns to 512-248-8252 or 800-313-9443. We're talking to Scott Thompson from Right to Bear Insurance, which, by the way, Right to Bear Insurance is the most affordable carry insurance on the market. And it's not only the most affordable carry insurance on the market, it's the carry insurance I use. And uh, And I'll save you another 10% If you use code LIGHTHOUSE at ProtectWithBear.com, that's code LIGHTHOUSE at ProtectWithBear.com to save 10% off the already low, low price of as little as $11 a month. You're listening to Liberty Lighthouse. Talk radio, only better. Okay, so Scott, the article that you sent me was... uh, Governor Newsom in Crazy Fornia calling for a 28th amendment, which uh, I don't know. It, it was he basically wanted to enshrine gun control into the Constitution as the 28th amendment, which uh, I consider to be pretty crazy.
2: I agree, but here's the thing: I will say, this is the proper way if you want to get rid of the Second Amendment. The proper way is to get an amendment, just like, you know, getting rid of things. So it's the proper way. However, what I take, what I think is, is, is just political gamesmanship is he's saying I'm proposing the 28th uh, Amendment, which will, as he put it, um, propose broadly supported um, uh, gun control. Yeah, broadly supported by the American public and gun owners, which I take offense to to that. But but saying that the Second Amendment will be unchanged, we're just going to add control. Well, you can't nope. change the Second Amendment that says "shall not be infringed" by then infringing them later. Um, so it's it's right. a political. That's point. just retarded. Yeah, and and I wanted to kind of point out like the four things that he said are broadly supported by the American public and gun owners, um, which again. I've said this a thousand times. Numbers lie and liars use numbers. I, I can come up with any type of poll you need. You tell me what you want, I'll get you the numbers to support it. Um, but there's a big difference. You know, I think if you ask any American public or gun owner, um, you know, should we do something to stop criminals from getting guns and using them in, in, in mass shootings? I think we'd all say yes, we should do something. But what that something is varies greatly between the left and the right. Um, so one of the things is they want, they want to raise the minimum uh, federal minimum age to purchase a firearm for, from 18 to 21. And what's funny about that is, and, and we've talked about this, I've heard you talk about this on your show before, is if the age of majority is 18 for everything really except for mm-hmm. um alcohol, why would we change
1: Alcohol, it? tobacco.
2: Yeah. Uh, is tobacco 18 or 21?
1: 21 now. They raised oh. it um, – I don't know. Back under Trump.
2: Okay. See, that's how far out I am about tobacco. I don't. I don't smoke, so I don't. I'm not affected. I don't see it. Um, but yeah. So, so alcohol and tobacco are the only thing where 21 is, is the age of of majority. And what's even more offensive is if you look at some of the things that the left are pushing, like in as you put it, "crazy Fornia." I like that. I'm going to borrow that term. Um, in "crazy Fornia," <laughs> they've actually proposed that people as young as 16 should be allowed to vote in presidential elections because they'll be 18. Right. In the so, so for voting, we're going to lower the age because you're more, you're mature enough uh. to, to pick the leader of the free world, but you're not mature enough to, to handle a gun properly. And they're also, and I don't want to go off on this tangent, but they're also now, they're wanting to let kids as young as six make decisions about their, their sexual you know identity and their mm-hmm. future at six, they can make this lifelong determination that has drastic effects on them, health-wise and mental health-wise. Yet, the guns, we got to bump that up. So, things that right. we want, we want you to do younger. Things that we don't want, we want you to have to wait. That's kind of a problem um, with, with with the genuineness of, of that discussion. Plus, also, if you look at it, um, Florida changed from 18 to 21 on on long guns um, back after Parkland, and you look at almost all of the shootings. Um, the people were over 21 for the most part, most of right. the shootings. So, so the 18 to 21 really doesn't. If if your goal is to affect um, people committing crimes, we're talking you're, you're going after such a small subset. Of them, right. the, other, the other thing was the mandatory background checks, um, which, uh, you know, here's the problem I have with the mandatory background check process. And in Florida, there is a mandatory check on on any gun sale through a licensed manufacturer, importer, or dealer. But you can do private transaction for handguns or long guns without a check. Um, still, most of most of the shootings in in, in Florida did not come from a a personal, um, transaction. It came from a gun store anyway. So the background checks, they do root out certain things, but they're not perfect. And what happens is when you say the background check and they don't, um, they don't say it says to prevent truly dangerous people from purchasing a gun. Well, what are your, what's your definition of a truly dangerous person?
1: Oh, and to prove that they're not perfect, you know, a crack addict Hunter Biden was able to buy a gun using right. going through the proper background check.
2: Absolutely. So, so we already have. And and let me let me ask you, where are they at in that investigation? Yeah. Uh-huh. See, there there's no investigation because he's politically connected to the highest level. Um,
1: to be somewhat fair about that, yes, it's a felony to lie on that form. Mm-hmm. However. It's one of the least prosecuted felonies in our nation. I, I did the number... Like, less than 1% yep. are, are prosecuted. Yep. So, this this goes to the hypocrisy. Just like you were saying with the age thing. Oh, you could be 6-year-olds and cut your junk off, and at 16, we'll let you vote. But, oh my God, you've got to be 21 if you want to buy a gun, smoke, or drink. Right. Which is... Okay, so that's insane. Um, The other insane... Part about it the hypocrisy i forgot my train of thought where were we going hunter biden hunter biden had less no, enforcement. The, the enforcement okay so if i'm a gun control person and i think guns are bad guns are, we need to get guns off the streets we need to get guns out of the hands of bad people yep Isn't the easiest thing to do to be to prosecute the two or three thousand times a year where people lie on that form of course Why are we doing that? That doesn't require new laws. That doesn't require anything other than somebody pointing at, you know, whoever, what, the ATF and saying, do your job. Right. Well, and
2: and also look at why are we not enforcing in some of these states somebody, a criminal who is caught with a gun and they don't prosecute that crime. Every time yep. you catch a criminal, a felon, someone who shouldn't have a gun, you catch them with a gun, charge them. But unfortunately, because of certain policies in place, you get you get someone who has a gun, who has even used a gun in a crime. Um, recently there was, and, and I don't know enough information about this, but there was just, and I think it might have been in Crazy Fornia also, in fact it was, uh, a police officer went to a call and was immediately attacked by the suspect... Uh, it was domestic violence. He punched her in the face a couple times. They went to the ground. He took her gun, pointed it at her face, pulled the trigger, it jammed. And then he was able to rack the slide and then it worked and he shot at her a couple times and missed. He was arrested for attempted murder, battery LEO, all the things, and a jury found him not guilty because they said, they they believed the defense attorney that said, well, that police officer had no right to talk to him. And if if she did her job right, you know, then then he should go to jail. But because she didn't, he could have punched her a hundred times and it wouldn't matter. And that's simply right. not true. Just because someone didn't do their job right doesn't give the, the courts have ruled that over and over again. You don't have the right to attack them just because they they were wrong. Um, so it, it's we're going to a place where we're not enforcing the crimes that we should on the criminals, but we want to enforce them on the. The, the gun owners who are law abiding citizens and who have never committed a crime.
1: And that's a problem. and that's been our that that's the argument of the the gun enthusiast from the beginning is yep. you know you pass the average gun enthusiast has their guns locked in a safe, unless okay. they're on their person. They they're, you know, very safe with them. They follow all the safety rules. You know, there's what is it? estimated 300 million guns in this country in the hands of private citizens, if the law-abiding were a problem, you'd know it. Yeah, because there's, still there's a lot less... 300 of million of them, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, yeah and that's where it, it's ridiculous. Right, and so, what? But again, going back to the hypocrisy of it, you know, guns are bad, we need to take guns away, we're going to make it harder for you to buy an AR, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, but we're going to let these... uh these people caught with firearms, but we're gonna we're we're just no cash bail for them. Yep. And you know, these people that use firearms in crimes, well, we're gonna get rid of minimum sentences for them. Yep. The hypocrisy of, of our politicians has no limits.
2: I agree. I agree. And and when you look at um you know, one of the other things that the 28th Amendment that he wants to a- a- apply for is instituting a reasonable waiting period for all gun purchases, mm-hmm. which it's interesting that he says reasonable gun uh, waiting period. What's the number? Right. Well, why not just say three days, five days, seven days, whatever it is, it's to leave it open for them to put, oh, well, you pass this and, and now we're going to make it 21 days or or whatever the number is. Um, and the reality is that they, did you ever hear the story of, uh, I think I lost you.
1: is. I I honestly, I have no idea what the heck is wrong with my internet.
2: I thought you were putting me into a karaoke spotlight. I was ready to to start singing.
1: (laughs) Were you doing uh, like a fantastic guest host job and just filling in? Anyway, what I was trying to say beforehand was, uh, did you ever hear the story about um, Charlton Heston during the LA riots when he's at home and the LA riots are going on and all of his Hollywood leftist buddies are all calling him saying, oh, can I borrow a gun? I went to buy one, but they said I had to wait. And he's like, yep, you pushed for that crap. Remember, good luck. <laughs> no, but that is a great
2: story. And that is true. Um, you know, be careful what you wish for, <laughs> you know, and and everyone says they don't need a gun until they need a gun. Right. Right. And 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 I can tell you this. Um I'm going to be prepared, and you're going to be prepared, and there's there's millions of people like us. But some of these people who, when the time comes where they need a gun and they go buy it, they're not going to be prepared. They haven't trained with it. They don't know what it's like. They don't know how it acts. They don't know how to clear a jam, and that's the importance. And that's what the Second Amendment was about, was giving everybody the right to have guns so that you could have your gun, you could train with your gun, so that if if it ever came time to defend this country, against a threat, foreign or domestic, that you knew how to do it. You were prepared. Um, I just imagine some of those Hollywood elites that were calling Charlton Heston, how they would react if they're sitting there on their couch in their mansion with a gun in their hand and someone broke in. Mm-hmm. I- I'd question whether any of them could hit a target approaching them. I, I right. bet you they wouldn't um, and because they've never prepared and, and they've never trained. Um and and the waiting period one of the things that they've done in Florida is there is a mandatory 3-day wait if you don't have your concealed weapons and firearm license so you do have a 3-day wait now
1: what's that at least you got a way around it
2: yes yes and it's an easy way it's not very hard um so but but there's there's a caveat to that and people call it a loophole but it's not a loophole it's there by design and the caveat says that the 3 day wait they have to give there's three answers they can give you denied accepted or um a conditional release so if you're denied you don't get the gun if you're approved or accepted you get the gun a conditional release says hey the 3 days is up but we haven't been able to fully make a determination yet so you can get the gun but you can't transfer that gun if we come back and say it's denied then then you have to turn the gun back in and, and which is, which is okay. It, it it's, it's better than because what they started doing when Nikki Freed was the um, commissioner of agriculture, um, because in Florida, the same agency that regulates your citrus fruit also regulates your gun. Cause it just makes sense. Um, That's brilliant. <laughs> so she started doing a thing where they were no, no longer doing that conditional approval. And what they were doing is just saying, well, we just haven't had time to get to it yet. I mean, we're really busy and people were waiting 90, 120 days to get a handgun when they bought guns before. And the the funny thing is, is there I've seen stories where a man walks into a gun store, wants to buy a gun. He does everything right. And they say, oh, we're, we're not sure. Forty five days later, they still haven't given an answer. He goes back in the store and says, well, can I buy this other gun? And he buys that gun, does the paperwork three days later walks out with the second gun, but they still haven't given him the clearance on the first. <laughs> now, how much sense does that make? None,
1: none. That's bureaucracy. That's what happens when, when government gets involved in pretty much anything. Yeah. They screw things up. Hey, we're coming up to the final break for your segment. Anyway, um, a little warning to anybody out there. If you are watching on YouTube, I recommend that you go someplace else and watch Twitch would be my, my, uh, my recommendation. Ah, uh, we are going to go into the second hour with content that would probably get us kicked off of YouTube. So, um, so we're going to kill the YouTube feed to protect the RBN YouTube account. So, if you uh, check the the video, you st- check the chat stream. I'm sure that somebody has put in there. Get off of YouTube and search for Liberty Lighthouse or National Intel Report on Rumble, Twitch. Uh, kick is the new one d live any of those other video platforms but um not youtube we're, we're going to drop youtube soon real quick scott where can they find you
2: they can find me at protectwithbear.com where again they can sign up for right to bear and they can use uh lighthouse as their code to get 10 percent off or you can find me on uh youtube under online gun safety class and uh or youtube or facebook online gun safety class is my personal one or also the right to bear on on both platforms and instagram right to bear association um so find me on any of those places
1: awesome and i'm right to bear is not just a sponsor i really am a member i really do believe it is the most affordable and and therefore you know the one that makes the most sense carry insurance out there. If you own a firearm, whether you carry it or not, you you should have carry insurance. I, I get questioned all the time, well we'll be just, you know, running to the grocery store or something. I'm like, okay. And I run upstairs and she hears me getting into the gun safe. <laughs> and she, we're just going to the grocery store. I'm like, Yep. We're going out that front door. I'm getting a handgun. Yep. Um the one time you don't have it is the one time you're going to need it. And the same thing goes to your carry insurance. You're, you're gonna want to get it before you actually need it. Thank you very much, Scott. We'll see you in a month. All right, thank you. Three minute commercial break. We'll be back on the other side in three minutes. Please stop watching YouTube and go someplace else because we're about to lose
3: you.
0: Take America back. We must take
1: America back. Mike Lindell did it again with mystore.com. Mystore.com is where you can go to find American made products from American companies started by American entrepreneurs. Use the code LIGHTHOUSE at mystore.com to support Mike Lindell, American entrepreneurs, and this program. That code again is LIGHTHOUSE at mystore.com.
0: The American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard, on corners in town. Like a cancer that's silently spreading. There's an unspoken fear. We're on our way down. We must take America back. Main Street to
1: Wall Street. Hey, welcome back to the top of the second hour of National Intel Report, live on Republic Broadcasting Network, Liberty Lighthouse, anywhere else you hear or see the program. This is the final warning if you're still on YouTube. Get off of there. Go to Kick, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, DLive, any of those other places. Because what I've got coming up is Dr. David Martin. From May 3rd. 2023, so about a month ago, Dr. David Martin was speaking to the third annual I don't know, COVID committee or something like that in front of the EU Parliament, or a select portion of the EU Parliament, and he said some really, really smart things. This is a video clip that I think everybody should see, so uh, I'm going to play it it's an, in its entirety. It's about 20 minutes long, so it's going to be pretty much this entire segment. And when it's over, When we come back, I want to hear your questions, comments, and concerns. I want your calls about this clip. So take it away, Dr. David Martin.
4: It is a a particularly interesting location for me to be sitting today, given that over a decade ago I sat in this very chair right here in the European Union Parliament, And at that time, I warned the world of what was coming. Uh, During that conversation that was hosted at the time by the Green and EFA and a number of the other parties of the European Union's uh, various representations, we were having a conversation on whether Europe should adopt the United States policy of allowing for the patents on biologically derived materials. And at the time, i urged this body and i urged people around the world that the weaponization of nature against humanity had dire consequences tragically i sit here today um, with that unfortunate line that i don't like to say which i told you so but the fact of the matter is we're here not for a reprisal on past decisions we're here to actually once again come to the face of the human condition and ask the question who do we want to be what do we want humanity to look like and rather than seeing this as an exercise in futility which is very easy from time to time when you're in the position i'm in I actually see this not as an exercise in futility. I see this as one of the greatest opportunities that faces us because we now have a public conversation, which is now front and center in people's minds. When this was an esoteric conversation about biological patents, nobody cared. But when that conversation came home, then it became something people can care about. So I'm actually quite grateful for this opportunity. I thank the members of parliament for hosting this. I thank all of the translators who I apologize in advance. I will use terminology that is probably very difficult to translate. So my apologies. And I'd also like to acknowledge the fact that many of you are aware of my involvement with this, in large part due to the amazing work of my wonderful wife, Kim Martin, who encouraged me at the very early days of this pandemic to get on front of the camera and talk about all the information that I had been sharing among very small groups around the world. And it was, in fact, her encouragement that put me in a place where many of you have heard what I have to say. Ironically, the world that I came from, that used to be very popular, my CNBC and Bloomberg presentations, which were televised on mainstream media around the world, was an audience that I lost. I I can confidently say COVID diminished my fame, but I can also confidently say that I'd rather stand among the people with whom I'm standing today than any of the folks that were part of that previous world. So this is a much better place to be. My role today is to set the stage for this conversation in a historical context. Because this did not come in the last three years. This did not come in the last five or six years. This actually is an ongoing question that probably began here in Europe in the early stages of the mid-1900s, but certainly by 1913, 1914, this conversation started right here in Central Europe. The pandemic that we alleged to have happened in the last few years also did not happen overnight. In fact, the very specific pandemic using coronavirus began in a very different time. And We'll try to advance the slides here with one of these things. Oh, there we go. Most of you don't know that coronavirus as a model of a pathogen was isolated in 1965. Coronavirus was identified in 1965 as one of the first infectious replicatable viral models that could be used to modify a series of other experiences of the human condition. It was isolated once upon a time associated with the common cold. But what's particularly interesting about its isolation in 1965 was that it was immediately identified as a pathogen that could be used and modified for a whole host of reasons. And you heard me correctly, that was 1965. And by the way, these slides are public domain. You're welcome to look at every single reference. Every comment that I made is based on published material. So do make sure that you look at those references. But in 1966, The very first COV, coronavirus model, was used as a transatlantic biological experiment in human manipulation. And you heard the date, 1966. I hope you're getting the point of what I'm saying. This is not an overnight thing. This is actually something that's been long in the making. A year before I was born, We had the first transatlantic coronavirus data sharing experiment between the United States and the United Kingdom. And in 1967, the year I was born, we did the first human trials on inoculating people with modified coronavirus. Isn't that amazing? 56 years ago, the overnight success of a pathogen that's been 56 years in engineering. And I want that to chill with all of you. Where were we when we actually allowed, in violation of biological and chemical weapons treaties, where were we as a human civilization when we thought it was an acceptable thing to do to take a pathogen for the United States and infect the world with it? Where was that conversation? And what should have been that conversation in 1967? That conversation wasn't had. Ironically, the common cold was turned into a chimera in the 1970s. And in 1975, 1976, and 1977, we started figuring out how to modify coronavirus by putting it into different animals, pigs and dogs. And not surprisingly, by the time we got to 1990, we found out that coronavirus, as an infectious agent, was an industrial problem for two primary industries, the industries of dogs and pigs. Dog breeders and pigs found that coronavirus created gastrointestinal problems, and that became the basis for Pfizer's first spike protein vaccine patent filed, are you ready for this, in 1990. Did you hear what I just said? 1990, Operation Warp Speed, I'm sorry, Where's the warp and the speed? Pfizer 1990, the very first spike protein vaccine for coronavirus. Isn't that fascinating? Isn't it fascinating that we were we were told that, well, the spike protein is a new thing. We just found out that that's the problem. No. As a matter of fact, we didn't just find out it was not just now now the problem. We found that out in 1990 and filed the first patents on vaccines in 1990 for the spike protein of coronavirus. And who would have thought Pfizer? Clearly, the innocent organization that does nothing but promote human health. Clearly, Pfizer, the organization that has not bought the votes in this chamber, and in every chamber of every government around the world. Not that Pfizer. Certainly, they wouldn't have had anything to do with this. But oh, yes, they did. And in 1990, they found out that there was a problem with vaccines they didn't work. You know why they didn't work? It turns out that coronavirus is a very malleable model. It transforms and it changes and it mutates over time. As a matter of fact, every publication on vaccines for coronavirus from 1990 until 2018, every single publication concluded that coronavirus escapes the vaccine impulse because it modifies and mutates too quickly for vaccines to be effective. And since 1990 to 2018, that is the published science, ladies and gentlemen. That's following the science. Following the science is their own indictment of their own programs that said it doesn't work. And there are thousands of publications to that effect, not a few hundred, and not paid for by pharmaceutical companies. These are publications that are independent scientific research that shows unequivocally, including efforts of the Chimera modifications made by Ralph Berk in the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. All of them show vaccines do not work on coronavirus. That's the science. And that science has never been disputed. But then we had an interesting development in 2002, and this date is most important. Because in 2002, the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill patented, and I quote, an infectious replication defective clone of coronavirus. Listen to those words, infectious replication defective. What does that phrase actually mean? For those of you not familiar with language, let me unpack it for you. Infectious replication defective means a weapon. It means something meant to target an individual, but not have collateral damage to other individuals. That's what infectious replication defective means. And that patent was filed in 2002 on work funded by NIAID's Anthony Fauci from 1999 to 2002. And that work patented at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill mysteriously preceded SARS 1.0 by a year. Dave, are you suggesting that SARS 1.0 wasn't from a wet market in Wuhan? Are you suggesting it might have come from a laboratory in the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill? No, I'm not suggesting it. I'm telling you that's the facts. We engineered SARS. SARS is not a naturally occurring phenomenon. The naturally occurring phenomenon is called the common cold. It's called influenza-like illness. It's called gastroenteritis. That's the naturally occurring coronavirus. SARS is the research developed by humans weaponizing a life system model to actually attack human beings. And they patented it in 2002. And in 2003, giant surprise, the CDC filed the patent on coronavirus isolated from humans in violation, once again, of biological and chemical weapons treaties and laws that we have in the United States. And I'm very, very precise on this. The United States likes to talk about its rights and everything else and the rule of law and all the nonsense that we like to talk about. But we don't ratify treaties about, I don't know, defending humans. We conspicuously avoid that. We actually have a great track record of advocating for human rights and then denying them when it comes to actually being part of the international community, which is a slightly problematic thing. But let's get something very clear. When the CDC in April of 2003 filed the patent on SARS coronavirus isolated from humans, what did they do? They downloaded a sequence from China and filed a patent on it in the United States. Any of you familiar with biological and chemical weapons treaties knows that's a violation. That's a crime. That's not an innocent oops. That's a crime. And the United States Patent Office went as far as to reject that patent application on two occasions until the CDC decided to bribe the Patent Office to override the patent examiner to ultimately issue the patent in 2007 on SARS coronavirus. But let's not let that get away from us because it turns out that the RT-PCR, which was the test that we allegedly were going to use to identify the risks associated with coronavirus, was actually identified as a bioterrorism threat by me in the European Union-sponsored events in 2002 and 2003, 20 years ago. That happened here in Brussels and across Europe. In 2005, this particular pathogen was specifically labeled as a bioterrorism and bioweapon platform technology. Described as such, that's not my terminology that I'm applying to it, it was actually described as a bioweapons platform technology in 2005. And from 2005 onwards, it was actually a biowarfare enabling agent, its official classification from 2005 forward. I don't know if that sounds like public health to you. Does it? Biological warfare enabling technology. That feels like not public health. That feels like not medicine. That feels like a weapon designed to take out humanity. That's what it feels like. And it feels like that because that's exactly what it is. We have been lured into believing that EcoHealth Alliance and DARPA and all of these organizations are what we should be pointing to, but we've been specifically requested to ignore the facts that over $10 billion have been funneled through black operations through the check of Anthony Fauci and a side-by-side ledger where NIAID has a balance sheet, and next to it is a biodefense balance sheet, equivalent dollar-for-dollar matching that no one in the media talks about. And it's been going on since 2005. Our gain-of-function moratorium, the moratorium that was supposed to freeze any efforts to do gain-of-function research. Conveniently, in the fall of 2014, the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill received a letter from NIAID saying that, while the gain-of-function moratorium on coronavirus in vivo should be suspended, because their grants had already been funded, they received an exemption. Did you hear what I just said? a biological weapons lab facility at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, received an exemption from the gain of function moratorium so that by 2016, we could publish the the journal article that said SARS coronavirus is poised for human emergence in 2016. And what, you might ask, Dave, was the coronavirus poised for human emergence? It was W. IV-1, Wuhan Institute of Virology Virus 1, poised for human emergence in 2016 at the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, such that by the time we get to 2017 and 2018, the following phrase entered into common parlance among the community there is going to be an accidental or intentional release of a respiratory pathogen. The operative word, obviously, in that phrase, the word release. Does that sound like leak? Does that sound like a bat and a pangolin went into a bar in the Wuhan market and hung out and had sex, and and lo and behold, we got SARS-CoV-2? No. Accidental or intentional release of a respiratory pathogen was the terminology used and four times in April of 2019, seven months before the allegation of patient number one, four patent applications of Moderna were modified to include the term accidental or intentional release of a respiratory pathogen as the justification for making a vaccine for a thing that did not exist. Keep going. If you have not done so, please make sure that you make reference in every investigation to the premeditation nature of this, because it was in September of 2019 that the world was informed that we were going to have an accidental or intentional release of a respiratory pathogen so that by September 2020, there would be a worldwide acceptance of a universal vaccine template. That's their words right in front of you on the screen. The intent was to get the world to accept a universal vaccine template, and the intent was to use coronavirus to get there. And the last slide. This isn't advancing, so if I could have somebody in doing this. Let's, let's read this because we have to read this into the record everywhere I go. Until an infectious disease, crisis is very real, present, and at the emergency threshold that is often largely ignored. To sustain the funding base beyond the crisis, he said, we need to increase the public understanding for the need for medical countermeasures such as a pan influenza or pan coronavirus vaccine. A key driver is the media, and the economics will follow the hype. We need to use that hype to our advantage to get to the real issues. Investors will respond if they see profit at the end of the process. Sounds like public health? Sounds like the best of humanity. No, ladies and gentlemen. This was premeditated domestic terrorism stated at the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences in 2015, published in front of them. This is an an act of biological and chemical warfare perpetrated on the human race. And it was admitted to in writing that this was a financial heist and a financial fraud. Investors will follow if they see profit at the end of the process. Let me conclude by making five very brief recommendations. The last slide. Nature was hijacked. This whole story started in 1965 when we decided to hijack a natural model and decide to start manipulating it. Science was hijacked when the only questions that could be asked were questions authorized under the patent protection of the CDC, the FDA, the NIH, and their equivalent organizations around the world. We didn't have independent science. We had hijacked science, and unfortunately, there was no moral oversight in violation of all of the codes that we stand for. There was no independent, financially disinterested independent review board ever impaneled around coronavirus. Not once. Not once. Not since 1965. We do not have a single independent IRB ever impaneled around coronavirus. So morality was suspended for medical countermeasures. And ultimately, humanity was lost because we decided to allow it to happen. Our job today is to say, no more gain-of-function research, period. No more weaponization of nature, (laughs) period. And most importantly, no more corporate patronage of science for their own self-interest unless they assume 100% product liability for every injury and every death that they maintain. Thank you very much.
1: Okay, so during the live broadcast of this video, I had some horrible, horrible internet connection issues. Huge pauses and blank spots where my computer just kept freezing, technical difficulties that uh, went on, and actually made it so that I could not fit that entire 20-minute video in this 25-minute segment. So I fixed that for this podcast version that's going to play on Mojo 5.0 and all that. But the fourth segment, the final half hour of the show, is going to start out by playing part of that video over again because that's what I had to do when it was live I corrected it for you the listener who's listening to the recorded edited cleaned up version after the fact but I can't fix an entire segment in the fourth uh, the fourth portion the last half hour of the show I hope you enjoyed that video I wasn't even going to post this podcast because the connectivity issues were so bad but that video was, oh, it's so important that I want to get it out there any way I can. And if a few more people will listen to it as the podcast or on Mojo Five O radio or wherever else I might do it, wherever else you might find it, then it's worth me doing this little bit of editing and talking and making it fit into the allotted time slots. So anyway, it's about commercial break time. When we come back on the other side, it's going to start playing part of that video over again. I'm Peter Serfine, and so simple even a politician can understand, is my latest book. It is a book of simple ideas that would go a long way towards fixing some pretty big problems in our government. It is an easy-to-read short book that uses common sense, something seriously lacking in our government. Order your copy for less than $10 wherever books are sold, or at liberty-lighthouse.com books.
3: Soon you will be dead.
0: Face to face with the limits of ambition and the scars of the marketplace. Welcome to the land of flame and this where you will learn that packaging is all that heaven
1: used. For uh you know anybody who has anything to say about Dr. Martin there, uh the phone line 512-248-8252. Or 800-343-9443. There's still quite a bit of that video left because of my te- technical glitches and everything. I'm going to continue to let it play. But if you've got a call, a question, a comment, or concerns, please call in. We can
4: talk right over the dock if we have to. In 2003, 20 years ago, that happened here in Brussels and across Europe. not a naturally occurring phenomenon. The naturally occurring phenomenon is called the common cold. It's called influenza. Chamber of every government around the world, not that Pfizer. Certainly, they wouldn't have had anything to do with this.
1: Jerry in Chicago, Line One, welcome to the show.
4: Hey, it was breaking up quite a bit. Uh, can you
5: give me where I can hear this guy's entire epilogue of what he's
1: talking about? Well, I found it on Rumble. And all you have to do is search for Dr.
5: Hello? Ooh, man. You're breaking up, too. You're in and out. Uh, Dr. Who. And I might be the only guy on air. I'd sing, but I have a terrible singing voice. We, we got you there, Jerry. Uh, I think it's, hey. doc, it's, well, it's Dr. David Martin. I- Dr. David Martin. Okay, thank you very much. See if we can get Peter back. Oh, sorry, he's having such a hard time today, everybody. Is it? You know what? Uh, yesterday was a bad day around here in Illinois with the internet because uh, I had to go renew my driver's license, and I, oh, I, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy.
1: Hey, so there with me, go. I really think it's my own computer. I don't think it's the internet. I could be wrong. I, I've done everything I could think of. But anyway, search for Dr. David Martin, May 3, 2023. I found, it, um, I found it in several places, but there's a specific Rumble video that has the slideshow that the doctor refers to in it. And it's, it's got the doctor, you know, kind of small off to one side and the slideshow, nice and big. So it's giving like a lot of the source data in the slides, like where he's quoting from.
5: Well, because this amazed me when when he started off with, they started looking into this in 1965. I was five years old.
1: Mm -hmm. I was minus seven.
5: (laughs) Uh, Well, I'll tell you what, when this came out, um, the the coronavirus and how bad it was going to be and everything else, I knew it was a lie. I looked at my brothers and sisters, I says, guys... Put put away the masks and, and and they were wiping off their groceries before they carried them into the house and wearing rubber gloves and all this other stuff. And I just like, hey, listen, I'm going to give you a little bit of update. Uh, our government has never told me the truth in 63 years of my life. So why should I believe them now? Right. It, it's as simple as that. They, they've lied, lied and lied again. And every time you corner them, they lie or nothing happens. You know, so, oh, man. But, hey, I'm glad you had this guy on. And thank you very much for this information. And you have yourself a great show and a great weekend.
1: Yeah, well, hopefully the rest of the show goes a little smoother than the previous show. I turned my camera off, which seems to have helped a lot. So, yeah. Uh, Dr. David Martin, May 3, 2023. He's speaking to the Third Annual Committee on Coronavirus, or something like that, put forth by uh, by the EU Parliament in Brussels. Anyway, let's continue with the doc.
4: In 2005, this particular pathogen was specifically labeled as a bio... Or maybe not. ...terrorism and bioweapon platform technology. Described as such, that's not... My terminology that I'm applying to it, it was actually described as a bioweapons platform technology in 2005. And from 2005 onwards. Man, this is so bad. I don't know it was actually it a biowarfare contest. enabling. I don't get it.
1: My computer.
4: agent. Sucks. It's official classification from 2005 forward. I don't know if that sounds like public health to you. Does it? Biological warfare enabling technology. That feels like not public health. That feels like not medicine. That feels like a weapon. Design.
1: Oh, come on. You've got to be kidding me. I don't know. It looks like I'm gonna to have to buy a new computer before next week's show. Because this just isn't gonna be this is unacceptable. This is the most pathetic and unprofessional show I've ever done, including my very first show, which was just a lousy podcast of me sitting in my basement before I even bought any fancy equipment. This is horrible. to take out
4: humanity. That's what it feels like, and it feels like that because that's exactly what it is. We have been.
1: Hey, Sarah in Oregon, welcome to the show.
6: Hi. Remember, free speech isn't free. So share your sh- share whatever podcast you love to listen to on any of the free speech networks. Share it out, rate, review,
1: and rinse, and repeat. <laughs> we love Thanks. that. That's, yeah. how you, that's how you get past all of the uh, the, the uh, YouTube censor Nazis and Google censor Nazis and all that kind of stuff. We need your help. Help spread the word. Greatly appreciate it. Pat and Fort Worth, line one. Pat, I haven't heard from you in quite a while. I thought maybe I upset you.
6: Hi. Hi, Peter. Uh, I'm glad to hear this being told because my first thought when I heard of this was, uh, yeah, I believe uh, University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill was involved because uh, they had a school for embalmers. <laughs> and I called it the embalmer uh, uh, getting job thing. Uh-huh. Now they have schools all over the country for embalmers yeah
1: well i'm surprised that this video hasn't been all over rbn by now like i i thought for sure that i'd be playing this like, i i thought thought for sure i'd be playing this and mike would be like oh no not again
6: well i think it has but you know everybody's so full of uh information anymore they have to almost hear something two or three times before it sinks in yeah and well you know I, I, I I was the only one that ever said anything about Chapel Hill, North Carolina, but you know what? <laughs> that's what it looks like. It, those embalmers, those uh, uh, how, uh those uh, whatever you call them, they used to sit there and rock on, on on the front of the hospitals waiting for somebody to die. Now they have more work than they can keep up with.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, that's hospital. true.
6: Well, it's the truth. I I watched it myself. They usually had a a funeral home right close to the hospital. They had nothing to do but rock on the porch and look and hope. (laughs) I'm sorry. Um,
1: It's nice nice to hear from you again. It's been a while since you called in on my show. I thought maybe I upset you.
6: Nobody, you know, when you've got a good show, nobody wants to uh, interrupt it. Is that <laughs> I, what it is? I'm doing that right now, but I'll let you go. That's you know, it's just my opinion, you know. All right. Thanks. Bye.
1: Greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much, Pat.
4: i it into believing that EcoHealth Alliance and DARPA and all of these organizations are what we should be pointing to, but we've been specifically.
1: Oh, my God. All right. So apparently I'm going to have to buy a new computer. So if you want to help me out, I'd greatly appreciate that. Go to liberty com. You can hit the donate button. You can buy something from the shop. I got a new t-shirt that I, re- I really like. It says, I'm on a government watch list. Requested to ignore the facts. That over- and then, of course, there's the uh, bumper stickers that say, working like crazy to support the lazy. T-shirts, shot glasses, rocks glasses. Have a Have a cocktail with me while we do the show. Coffee mugs, all that kind of stuff. There's tons of merchandise please liberty-lighthouse.com and help me out so that i can afford to buy the new computer that i apparently need to have by next week because this is just a pathetic broadcast and uh i wouldn't want to do this again anyway any other questions comments or concerns feel free to call in 512-248-8252 800-913-9443 $10
4: billion have been funneled through black operations through the check of Anthony Fauci and a side-by-side ledger where NIAID has a balance sheet and next to it is a biodefense balance sheet equivalent dollar-for-dollar matching that no one in the media talks about. And it's been going on since 2005. Our gain-of-function moratorium the moratorium that was supposed to freeze any efforts to do gain-of-function research conveniently in the fall.
1: Wow, this
4: is terrible. In 2014, to, uh, the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill received a letter from NIAID saying.
1: that Mike, the producer, looking to see if he can play, the, play it from his side. If we can get the time that, Well,
4: the gain-of-function fu- moratorium, gain-of-function moratorium the moratorium that was supposed to freeze any efforts to do gain-of-function research. Conveniently, in the fall of 2014, the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, received a letter from NIAID saying that while the gain-of-function moratorium on coronavirus in vivo should be suspended, because their grants had already been funded, they received an exemption. Did you hear what I just said? A biological weapons lab facility at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill received an exemption from the gain of function moratorium so that by 2016 we could publish the the journal article that said SARS coronavirus is poised
1: Always to make me crazy <sighs> this is my worst show ever.
4: for human emergence in 2016
1: I, I don't even there aren't even more processes that I can kill to 16. Try to make something faster. And
4: what? You might ask. It's terrible. Ask Dave, was the coronavirus poised for human emergence? It was WIV1. Wuhan, Wuhan Institute, Institute of Virology 1. Institute of Virology Virus 1. Poised for human emergence in 2016 at the proceedings. Of the National Sciences, such that by the time we get to 2017 and 2018, the following phrase entered into common parlance among the community. There is going to be an accidental or intentional release of a respiratory pathogen. The operative word, obviously, in that phrase, the word release. Does that sound like leak? Does that sound like a bat and a pangolin went into a bar in the Wuhan market? and hung out and had sex, and and lo and behold, we got SARS-CoV-2? No. Accidental or intentional release of a respiratory pathogen was the terminology used and four times in April of 2019. Seven months before the allegation of patient number one, four patent applications of Moderna were modified to include the term accidental or intentional release of a respiratory pathogen as the justification for making a vaccine for a thing that did not exist. Keep going. If you have not done so, please make sure that you make reference. In every investigation, premeditation nature of this, because it was in September of 2019 that the world was informed that we were going to have an accidental or intentional release of a respiratory pathogen so that by September 2020, there will be a worldwide acceptance of a universal vaccine template. That's their words right in front of you on the screen. The intent was to get the world to accept a universal vaccine template, and the intent was to use coronavirus to get there. And the last slide. This is an advance, so if I could have somebody in doing it. Let's, let's read this, because we have to read this into the record everywhere I go. Until an infectious disease, crisis is very real, present, and at the emergency threshold that is often largely ignored. To sustain the funding base beyond the crisis, he said, we need to increase the public understanding for the need for medical countermeasures such as a pan influenza or pan coronavirus vaccine. A key driver is the media and the economics will follow the hype. We need to use that hype to our advantage to get to the real issues. Investors will respond if they see profit at the end of the process. Sounds like public health. Sounds like the best of humanity. No, ladies and gentlemen, this was premeditated domestic terrorism stated at the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences in 2015, published in front of them. This is an an act of biological and chemical warfare perpetrated on the human race, and it was admitted to in writing that this was a financial heist and a financial fraud. Investors will follow if they see profit at the end of the process. Let me conclude by making five very brief recommendations. The last slide. Nature was hijacked. This whole story started in 1965 when we decided to hijack a natural model and decide to start manipulating it. Science was hijacked when the only questions that could be asked were questions authorized under the patent protection of the CDC, the FDA, the NIH, and their equivalent organizations around the world. We didn't have independent science. We had hijacked science. And unfortunately, there was no moral oversight in violation of all of the codes that we stand for. There was no independent, financially disinterested independent review board ever impaneled around coronavirus. Not once. Not once. Not since 1965. We do not have a single independent IRB ever impaneled around coronavirus. So morality was suspended for medical countermeasures and ultimately humanity was lost because we decided to allow it to happen. Our job today is to say no more gain of function research, period. No more weaponization of nature, period. And most importantly, no more corporate patronage of science, for their own self-interest, unless they assume 100% product liability for every injury and every death that they maintain. Thank you very much.
1: Okay, there it is. Dr. David Martin from, uh, oh, I forgot now. Dr. David Martin from May 3rd, 2023 at the EU third annual covid coronavirus summit thing (sighs) this has been the um well the most stressful and annoying and pathetic unprofessional show i've ever done i'm very very sorry about that I, i i don't know how to fix it i'm not that guy apparently my computer is a piece of crap worked fine for a while started doing video live streams worked fine for a while then it starts to go bad anyway We've got, uh, I don't know, seven minutes left in the show. Seven minutes I'd like to give to you, the callers, the listeners, the viewers. 512-248-8252. 800-313-9443. Dr. David Martin there, to be honest, I don't know how he's still alive. He's saying all of the things that we all have known, all the things that got us shut down, got me removed from YouTube, things that got doctors ostracized out of the professions he's saying things that well like I said I don't know how why he's still alive I don't know how that's possible and I don't think he will be for long I' not I don't know maybe this video has gotten enough views that he's safe now like it'd be too obvious if he were to just disappear maybe this is a month old and we It should be screamed from the rooftops. It should be published everywhere. But if you search Dr. David Martin's name, you'll find tons of articles trying to discredit him. As a matter of fact, that that was the first thing I found. See, so I I saw this video or actually somebody comment said, you know, look up this guy. When I searched for it, one of the first things I came across was like, you know, who is this guy? Who is Dr. David Martin? Well, he's written a few self-help books and this and that. And they, they, then they trying to distribute? This, uh, I don't know. The, the forum where he was speaking. Well, it was a. It's a committee known for allowing right wing conspiracy theorists to have the voice. Hmm. Funny. How um, everything he said either made perfect logical sense, or he had the facts. He had the data. He had the, you know, the, the patents. He had the dates, the times. He knew what was on Why I like that video so much, and I I do recommend that you go out and you find it, and and it's on the RBN website, it's on Rumble, it's a whole lot of places, you watch the whole thing without the glitches and pauses and crap that that my computer did. Just watch the whole thing, it's, he speaks for about 21 minutes, Dr. David Martin, which is why I thought I'd be able to play it in one segment of the show, but because of my technical difficulties, it took almost two whole segments. Watch him; he's worth. It's worth a listen. He's one of the the best I've seen of taking all of this COVID conspiracy stuff and putting it all together in one relatively short presentation, going back all the way to 1965, and showing the progression. He knew it was happening. He warned about it ahead of time. Anyway, uh, sponsor for this this uh, segment was supposed to be Romika Designs. My buddies at Romika Designs. Do awesome laser work, awesome laser engraving and laser cutting of awesome products. One of the coolest things that they have for a Father's Day idea, if you if you act quick, you might be able to still get it for Father's Day. They've got a pocket knife, and you can engrave both the, the handle and the blade of the pocket knife, and you can get it in a gift box, and he'll engrave the gift box, too, and it's a really nice pocket knife, like heirloom-quality pocket knife. But Romika Designs does some awesome custom design work. You want to get your logo or your personal embroidery, your personal monogram, on just about anything you want. Go to RomicaDesigns.com, R-O-M-I-K-A, Designs.com. Use code Lighthouse. I'll save you a few dollars, and you'll help me out. And I greatly appreciate that. And like I said, awesome Father's Day gifts. Yes, one of his best-selling things for Father's Day was a hammer, which, you know, funny phrases on engraved on them. Things like, you know, thanks for for nailing mom for for Father's Day gift. I thought that was pretty funny. Anyway, that's the final final sponsor of this year final segment. And uh, Doctor David Martin highly recommend. Look up that video when you find it. Share it out to everybody you know. That video it's a month old, and I don't generally like to play news stuff that's a month old. But it it didn't get the traction that I thought it should. I haven't seen it everywhere like I thought we should see it. So I wanted to play it in its entirety. Sorry about my technical difficulties that made it far less more interesting. Um, Find it. Share it. Send it to everybody. It is worth the share. And let's see. RepublicBroadcasting.org. And uh, they're going to repost the video there. So let's see here. Mike says he's reposted it, so it's the latest post in video and news section on the Republic, Republic Broadcasting website, republicbroadcasting.org. Uh, Republic so it's the latest post in the video and news section. So if you could share it from there, that would be super fantastic, too. And Mike, I hope you got the one from Rumble with the slideshow, because... It, it it loses a lot if it doesn't have this line show that goes along with his speech that this, I had to find that one in particular before I put it out here for you all.
3: <sighs>
1: anyway, I'd like to say that tonight has been fun, but, uh, it hasn't. And I don't know if you give me another chance, I'd like to come back next week and try to be better. Let's see. What do I got going on next week? Who Who's our lucky guest next week would be, uh, Colonel Mike Ford from, what's the name, Uh, American Free News Network, and Corey Haig from Liberty Uncensored Newspaper. So two news guys are our guests next week on the 15th, Thursday, the 15th of July, which will be just a couple of days after Flag Day. Actually, the day after Flag Day. Don't forget, I I post speeches for all the patriotic holidays, including Flag Day, So I will be posting a short flag day speech that you'll be able to find at liberty-lighthouse.com. Share that out to your friends and family to remind them, you know, we do have things to be proud of in this country. We might not be perfect, but we are probably, probably the most perfect country out there. If you're listening live on Republic Broadcasting Network, thank you for listening and stay tuned for Edge of Darkness with Jeffrey Bennett. I want to thanks to Scott, our guest this evening. Thank you, Mike, the producer of the show. Couldn't do the show without you. And most of all, thank you, the listeners and callers. You're why we do this show. And until next week, protect your liberties. Once they're gone, there's no getting them back. God bless America. It's the least we can do for the red,
0: white, and blue. We must take
3: America back. Let's take a minute.